0: If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. All right, so this is another
1: one of our episodes where we cover one topic, and this is probably one of our favorite topics to cover. We talk all about strength, um, how to get stronger, and why it's important to get stronger, regardless of your goal. So we talk about everything from what strength is, of course, why it's important, um, ways to get strong in terms of your workout, uh, problems and issues that people have when they're trying to get stronger in terms of their exercise program, like what are the obstacles that get in people's way. So if you're trying to get stronger, which if you're working out, or if you have any fitness goals whatsoever, you should be trying to do, you're going to love this episode. Also, before we start this episode, MAPS Strong, one of our most effective muscle building, strength building, and metabolism building programs, is 50% off. So here's what you got to do go to mapsstrong.com, M A P S S T R O N G.com, and use the code STRONG50, S T R O N G 50, no space, for the discount. Get strong. All right, guys, let's talk about the most important fundamental aspect of performance, the foundational aspect, strength. Strength. Let's talk all about strength.
2: Ooh, I can't wait. we have been talking so much about nutrition. I knew you were going to be excited. Thank
3: goodness. This episode is for Justin. It yes. is. We did this a bunch- is what
1: got me into personal training. It's just <laughs> about the strength. No, you know, it's actually a good... It sounds simple and whatever, but this is a good, a good question. It's like, why is... Strength even uh, important. Why is it an important thing? Uh, I think it's important for people to understand that strength is the foundational physical pursuit. It's the one physical pursuit that will contribute positively to all the other physical pursuits. So and it, to, to be a little bit more clear, if you became more flexible, you would not necessarily increase or improve your endurance and stamina. You would not necessarily increase or improve your maximal strength or your speed or your power. Um, it may improve some of those things if flexibility was holding you back, but it doesn't necessarily contribute to those. If you work on your stamina and your endurance, you won't necessarily improve your functional flexibility or your, uh, your strength um, or your explosive ability. Now, strength is different. Strength, if you improve your strength properly, it actually makes everything else better. Somebody who's stronger has better, and I mean in in appropriate ways, right, done properly, has better functional flexibility, meaning the the ability to own and control longer ranges of motion. A person who just wants endurance, if we gave them more strength, would have more endurance uh, because being stronger means you fatigue... Uh, at a much, uh, it takes you much longer just to fatigue. Yeah, it's a fundamental,
2: foundational thing you can build off of, and that's why I think that people need to really consider that as uh, one of the utmost important aspects of training or constructing a training program in general is to base it around the strength, and then any pursuit from there, it, it, you know, you're really going to help to to flourish.
1: That's it, and if you. If you do any type of physical pursuit, any type of sport that requires any physicality, even ones that you think that strength aren't that important, like let's say you're an ultra endurance runner, like you're running, you know, 50 miles or 100 miles at a time, that person would even benefit from a small improvements uh, in strength. It's it's just super super important. That, you, uh, that people understand this because I think people relegate strength to strength athletes and bodybuilders. Yeah. Like if I'm not but, one of them... Or they think size of muscle. Like that's, that's the only thing that determines strength. That's, that's, a, that's a great yeah. point. Um, so let's talk about, I guess, the different types of... Because strength, you know, technically we could break it down into different types of strength, right? There's um, absolute strength, which is what I think most people are familiar with, which is the ability to just lift super heavy weight. So like, you know, if like for example, if, if I could deadlift six hundred pounds and uh Adam could deadlift, you know, five hundred pounds, I have more absolute strength than he would in that particular exercise. Right. So that's what that that's the strength that most people are well, familiar to with. To
3: that point too, it's it's one of the best ways to measure progress. Uh it's sometimes it can be really tough if you have a a fitness goal like losing body fat and building muscle. A lot of people come into the gym, they get started and Uh, A a majority of people would say, yeah, I'd like to put some muscle on, and yes, Mm -hmm. I'd like to lose some body fat, and they start their routine. And because maybe they're inflamed or maybe because they're losing a little bit of body fat and they're also building muscle, you know, and also you're your biggest critic, and the, the scale could be throwing you off, the mirror could even be throwing you off a little bit. Meanwhile, if you're eating well, you're training well, and you're seeing your strength go up. It's one of the best indicators. that's a super good sign. Right. That mm-hmm. you're heading down the right path. And in fact, a lot of my clients, I would teach to not get so hung up on the scale and the way we look because our, we do. We were just, man, we were walking to lunch today and talking about old videos that we were looking at just since we've even started Mind Pump. And uh, Sal made a comment about Man, I had this one video I was off and I didn't remember how shredded I was looking. I was like, yeah, you know, I was watching a video, same thing, one of our old YouTube videos and didn't realize how jacked I was during that time. And it's funny that how we play these psychological games with ourselves. And it's, it's hard for us to be objective when we look or subjective when we look at our own body all the time. And so one of the best, I think, ways to track good progress in the gym is actually to really pay attention to your overall strength. I think that's a very good indicator that you're heading in the right that's direction. That's the
1: first question mm-hmm. I ask. If somebody asks me, um, hey, do you think my program is good? And I'll next question I'll always ask them is, are you getting stronger? Mm-hmm. Because uh, oftentimes, if you're getting stronger, it means you're doing something right. You're doing some things right. Um, you know, I'm getting leaner. And am I eating enough calories? I'm losing weight. And I'll say, well, are you getting stronger? And they'll say, well, actually, I'm getting stronger. Well, you're doing great. Then, if you're getting stronger while you're getting leaner, you're really kicking ass. So that's right. a that's a very very good yep. point. Um, you know, I, I talked about absolute strength, which is I think what most people understand as strength. But there's other types of strength too. There's also explosive <clears throat> strength, which is the ability to uh, move with maximal power in a short period of time. Um, and there's also isometric strength, the ability to hold something. For long periods of time. Like if I were hanging off a bar, uh, that would be my isometric strength of the muscles in my hands. Uh, but all of those, you know, just getting stronger helps all of those things. Like if I just get stronger, I'm probably gonna get more explosive uh, and I'm also gonna get, you know, better isometric strength.
3: Do you think that you would categorize uh, durability in there also? Oh, dude. The, it,
1: of course, think about wow. it. If you're, think about anything you've ever done that was grueling and hard. Do you think you would have lasted longer or been more durable or had more heart? You know, you know the, the boxers would call it heart right. if you were stronger. Well, if you absolutely. think
2: about that connection too, of you know, mind and muscle, and like uh, being able to, uh, you know, have that mental fortitude, that really does contribute back into the strength. And uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, athletes they'll they'll lean heavy on that fact alone that you know their their mental attitude and and, and uh, ways of like getting through the objects is really like has a substantial effect on its own.
1: That's right. That's right. Um, so uh, now that we've made the case. Um for for strength, we should talk about you you know different ways to get strong or or, or what it what it means exactly because I think I think when people look at strength they tend to think of just muscle like um, okay if I have bigger muscles then I'm going to be stronger that's not necessarily true no, that's it?
3: not necessarily it's not true at all yeah I mean yeah. when we look at your uh, Olympic lifters it, it, it's one of the things that you know I think as a young lifter coming up and and Probably as a kid, you look at the size of muscle, and as a kid, you think, "Oh, he must be really strong." You just think, I think mm-hmm. that just you, it seems logical to think that, right? Mm-hmm. But when you, as you start to get around the strength community and the and, and fitness and and people working out, and you start to meet more and more people that are very actually unassuming because they don't have these massive ones, but they're incredibly strong. You know who's a great
1: example of that? That the, we know? Yeah. Mike. Mike Salemi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. one of the strongest yeah. dudes you'll ever meet, and he's like, not, he doesn't look like he's one of the strongest guys. He looks mm-hmm. like a fit dude. Yeah. Super, super strong. Yeah, I'll, I'll, there's a lot of things that contribute. Now, now muscles do contribute to it, obviously, because they're, they're what's contracting, and a bigger muscle does contract harder than a smaller muscle. So that part is true. But there's also the skill involved with strength. There's the muscles working together uh, to accomplish a particular feat that that makes you stronger. There's uh, leverage. That'll make people stronger.
2: Refining in on the process, like you mentioned, in terms of like the practicing, that neurologically establishes a louder signal that you can apply to that movement, which then allows for more strength to happen.
1: Oh, I remember this. This doesn't happen so much as an adult, but I remember when I was a kid, I don't know if you guys ever experienced this, where you just start lifting weights and you're getting all into it, and then you miss some workouts, and then you go back and you get on the bar, and then it da, 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 shakes. Yeah. As you're you lowering the, the bar, yeah. you, get the, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Totally. That's not because the muscles all of a sudden just became like didn't work anymore. No. That's your central nervous yeah. system. Your CNS is not firing as smoothly or as It doesn't controlled.
2: recognize it as immediately as it did when you were going through those movements consistently.
1: Yeah, and a lot of strength is due to uh, your central nervous system, which is really the controlling mechanism be- behind your, your muscles. It's what tells your muscles... To contract harder or not as hard, and how to contract, how to get all your muscles to contract in a particular pattern. And it also tells your muscles when they need to relax and be loose, believe it or not, that has a piece in strength. One thing you'll find in athletes who are able to exhibit lots of strength over and over again is their ability to relax. Mm-hmm. in between bouts of uh, maximal performance. Uh, that's why they're able to do it over and over again without fatigue. Oh, yeah.
2: That's the, the most interesting thing, I think. that uh, I think it was John Brinkus that, that brought up the, the difference between like uh, the super athletes and just the regular athletes is the fact that they could stay calm, and they mm-hmm. can have those moments where they, they do. They, they don't have the same nerves under pressure.
1: Right, right. And in, in regular training trains your central nervous system as it's training your muscle. So, you're not just training the muscle and getting the muscle to adapt by becoming stronger. You're also training the central nervous system to know how to fire more effectively. And also, you're giving your body the confidence to fire with more power. I mean, here's a this, and we've covered this in past podcasts, but um, high tra- highly trained athletes are able to uh, exhibit or pull out. Like ninety something percent of their potential of strength. Mm -hmm. In other words, like if you look at if you if there were like a meter measuring how much strength you could you could put out, highly highly trained athletes like Olympic athletes could almost max it out. The average person sixty percent, fifty percent. Yeah, fifty. Yeah. They gotta be way less. They could try as hard as they want, but their body will only let them tap into about fifty percent because their body doesn't have the confidence uh, that uh, that it can go harder. It actually. It's got like this protecting mechanism where it it dampens things. It's like a speed limiter on your car. We
2: all have governing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we all have that governing. And and that's why we always bring up mobility as like such an integral piece to this entire process. Because if your body at all recognizes any kind of instability in a joint, it's not going to... Open up the uh, ability to now flood in this excess amount of force to apply uh, towards that joint because it's just not safe. It knows uh, that that's going to be potentially injury driven.
1: Yeah. And to overcome that governing system, um, you have to train your body to be more comfortable with exerting that much force, or you have to be in an extreme, extremely stressful situation. Uh, You know, there's been stories of, you know, people. Lifting cars off of loved ones or, yeah. you know, doing crazy feats of strength. And he's like, how did that happen? I was like, well, yeah. they were so like, their body's like. Overrided. Yeah. Their overrided. body's like, we're going to tear some muscles. We don't care. Yeah. This is our survival. You yeah. know, we need Allocate to Allocate all
3: resources at once. Yeah, that's right. That's so right. when talking about training the the central nervous system and that being important to strength, What are some examples of that uh, with the average gym goer who's going in the gym and and lifting weights? Like, what does that mean to them?
1: So, anytime you're lifting weights, you're training the central nervous system.
3: Anytime you get better at lifting, because. But there's the caveat to that is that there is exercises that lend itself better to or ways of doing it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like, so that's the point that I'm trying to get at is like just cuz you lift weights doesn't necessarily mean you're maximizing the training towards you. Yeah, you your, may actually be creating worse patterns that uh, you're refining.
1: Yeah, there's um uh if you look at strength athletes, um Olympic I like looking at Olympic athletes because most of the science that's gone into resistance training uh, or most of the money and time that's gone into studying resistance training has gone into Olympic lifting because it's been an Olympic sport, and for a while there, you had you know the two biggest world superpowers uh, uh, back in those days was the Soviet Union and the U.S. Now it's like China and the U.S. And uh, you know the, these these communist countries invest a lot of science into how to make their athletes better than ours because they look at the Olympics like a, a way of demonstrating their superiority or whatever. And so when you look at some of the old uh, studies that came out of like, the, you know, behind the Iron Curtain, uh, they they would say, you find that it's a lot of frequency and it's sub-maximal intensity. It's practicing a lift. It's not going into the gym and beating yourself up. So an example would be the difference between doing a super hard leg workout once or twice a week versus doing a little bit of leg stuff and just practicing your technique every single day. Uh, the every single day uh style of training or whatever the more frequent style of training seems to train the central nervous system a little bit better you get better and better and better at that squat or whatever and you see strength gains uh go through the roof and so uh when you look at like how do we stress the muscle intensity really stresses the muscle you go too far with that uh then you can cause the central nervous system to not adapt as well because it has has to have time to recover
3: so in other words just adding more weight or lifting harder doesn't necessarily translate always into more strength and sometimes lifting lighter and better and more controlled and working on technique actually can contribute to strength as much or sometimes even more
1: totally think about it this way adam your squat uh which for the long-term uh listeners know that your squat looks nothing like it used to right it's a totally different squat um you are now currently uh have way less muscle than you did when you first started with us, right? Right. But you could squat more, right? How, uh, or close to, right? Or, or close to, right? right? What's that from? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, all it's your technique. Yeah. Your yeah. skill and your technique of the squat has made you uh, that much stronger. You learn this real fast, by the way. If you're if you've ever worked with veteran blue collar workers, you learn real fast how th- the technique and the patterns that their central nervous system has picked up, yeah. how big
3: of a role that plays in strength. Like
1: you carry around some planks of wood or. Yeah. Buckets of cement with guys who are in their 60s and doing do it forever. People, I think it. for the
3: most part, people think that that just means they get good at it. But what does that mean? Like, I think breaking it down all the way or distilling it all the way is like you've actually trained your central nervous system to become more efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that plays such a great role into strength, which is I love. And I know I've repeated it so many times because I think it was one of the most impactful things that you ever shared on this podcast for me. Uh, because I, I've always had a hard time explaining uh, the central nervous system, the importance of it, the role of it uh, for in working out to the average person, and when you gave the analogy of think of your central nervous system like an amplifier uh, to speakers and your speakers as muscles, and and anybody that understands how that works, uh, you know, you can't play speakers without an amplifier. They're they're both essential to making music or sound or whatever. So. Knowing that and then thinking about, okay, if my central nervous system is like an amp, the stronger that amp is, the better sound, the bigger speakers I can power. So when you think of it like that, that makes a lot more sense to me. Like, oh, wow, that's so important not to neglect that piece of it. Otherwise, right. I'm just going out buying big-ass subwoofers, but yeah. I'm not spending any time really trying to And build you may a- even have like a really high... Uh, output
2: like ampl- amplitude type amp like like it has a high capacity for but you're not using force it. yeah but you don't you're not using it or you can't like properly distribute it like you like like say like there's interruptions in that process to where it, it it dampens the signal a bit down the kinetic chain and so if you think about that like having joints that aren't functioning the way they're supposed to be working. Uh, you know that's gonna the signal. You're not gonna get the most out of that, and so to to be efficiently going through these movements and have you know access to that amount of power. I mean, all of that plays a, a role,
1: right? And and, and think about because I know a lot of people listening might be thinking like, well, I just want to look better. I want bigger muscles. Like it's cool to be strong, but I want to really look good. Well, here's a deal. Just like using the same analogy, you are not able to fully express the capacity of your speakers without a powerful amplifier. So you are not able to fully activate your muscles and the muscle fibers to get them to adapt without an effective central nervous system signal. Now, some people may say, well, look at bodybuilders. Bodybuilders aren't as strong as powerlifters or Olympic lifters, and they have big muscles. That's where you're wrong. A bodybuilder has a very effective central nervous system. They just have made it effective for a particular, for different types of movements, Bodybuilders know how to isolate and contract muscles harder than any other strength athlete in the world. A bodybuilder can squeeze their lats when doing a lat pulldown and get their central nervous system to connect to the lats and express them to the fullest capacity way more mm. than an Olympic lifter or a power lifter. They've just trained it in a different way. They've just trained their central nervous system to maximize the expression of individual muscles to get hypertrophy to get that muscle growth. Well, I'll try not to get lost
2: in the weeds with that, but that's, that's definitely something that, you know, with, with bodybuilders is, is an attribute. That's something they can have access to tensing up muscles and to be able to really hold poses and get the most out of the squeeze of the muscle Mm -hmm. to where like a strength athlete, like that's not going to be as beneficial. So Mm -hmm. they've learned to turn off uh, a lot of that to, to where like I can generate the most force in certain parts of the lift and then turn off and allow that free flow of the movement and then, you know,
1: reestablish it so I can get gain control. Absolutely. You watch an Olympic lifter do a, a, a really, really amazing, beautiful clean. And you'll see, if you watch the slow motion video, you'll see like maximal power output in a momentary- Split second. Split second of relaxation in the arms and in the lower body, pop into position, tense up again and explode uh, all over again. So- uh, that's 100% right. So so the key here is, I guess the point we're making is, if you're focusing on strength, it's going to, yes, it's going to be awesome for your physical performance, but it's also going to be awesome for the, your aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Your ability to contract harder or move more weight is going to positively influence the way you look. And because strength is objective, you either get stronger or you don't. Uh, like Adam said, it's one of the best Measurements. Sometimes the mirror lies to you. I know we all lie to ourselves. I I could look at myself in the mirror and think I look better or worse, and I probably look the same um, because of the the subjective nature. When you're lifting more, you're not. You're you're either stronger or you aren't. Right. It's one of my favorite. That's why it's one of my favorite. Well, things Well, and,
3: and since we're all you know closing the circle on this the central nervous system talk, one of the best things that I've taught clients to do, especially somebody who loves chasing strength, loves adding weight, loves. One of the and personally, uh, and it took me a long time to to drill this home for myself, was to be okay with going in and working with fifty percent of my load. You know, really, really light going in and just because I can squat four hundred pounds, you know, it's it's an ego check to go in and work with one thirty five. Mm-hmm. But it's one of the best things, believe it or not, sometimes to build great strength, and that seems kind of counterproductive for somebody who's measuring their strength purely just by how much they're stacking on their on the barbell. When it's like. Hey, me going in and deciding that, hey, this week or these next two weeks is all about the skill. And so Mm -hmm. I'm going to lighten my load way up so I can concentrate at the bottom of the squat, thinking about exactly where I want to feel my weight distributed on my feet, Mm -hmm. the way I engage my glutes, the way I tighten my core, the way I come out of the hole, the way I come down in the squat, like using that as a tool still to build strength. Mm -hmm. And I think that's tough for the average gym goer who loves – to push and to push the limits all the time, and they're always thinking it's putting it, adding weight to it. I love to take that client, especially when I could visually see a breakdown, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which is common. Like, how often do you guys walk in the gym and just see this, Absolutely beautiful squat. It's It's, pretty rare. It's very, very (laughs) rare. Yeah. So when when a client compliment that person right away. Right. And so what I love is that when I meet somebody who's who loves to build strength and is heading down that and and then I assess a squat or a deadlift and a big compound lift and I see breakdown and they want to get stronger and I go, okay, what we're going to do to get stronger is I want you to peel down, Mm -hmm. you know, two hundred pounds off of that, and what we're we're going to really work on your technique. At sometimes I think that's hard for the average person to compute, but let me tell you, one of the most beneficial things that you can do to get stronger is sometimes to reduce the weight and really perfect the technique. Yeah, you don't have to PR all the time, right, right, right. So No, you don't. That's, yeah. a, that's
1: a good one, Justin. Yeah. Well, I, look, I tell you what, if, here's another thing with strength. Uh, if you're looking to speed up your metabolism, increasing your strength or watching your strength go up usually a positive sign. And so oftentimes when I'm working with clients and trying to get their metabolisms to speed up uh, and they're asking me, you know, I don't know if my metabolism's speeding up or, um, you know, I- I'm-, I'm doing the reverse diet or whatever. I always follow up with, are you getting stronger? If they're getting stronger, usually means that their metabolism is moving in the direction that they want, which is to, to kind of speed up. All right. So let's talk about ways to get stronger. Uh, uh, first and foremost, I think one of the best ways to keep yourself progressing in strength is to phase through different rep ranges. Oh,
3: love love that tip also because, one, uh, I remember being this kid who stayed in a phase, right? I wanted to get stronger. I wanted to get bigger. All the magazines told me I should be working in this rep range. And so since that was what all the material, uh, education material that I was reading was telling me, I assumed that I stayed in that forever, right. that I was always going to lift in this six rep range to get bigger and stronger, right. and in a short window, though it makes sense why you do that. But when you take somebody over six weeks, twelve weeks, twenty four weeks, and you keep going on, it stops working. One of yeah. the best things that you can do to get stronger, you know, is to. Lighten the load up and go to fifteen to twenty reps.
1: Right, 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 right.
3: Or, I, or the opposite. If you're somebody who has been constantly lifting in the fifteen rep ranges, to go the other direction.
1: Now, here's the thing, though, when it comes to strength, because remember, strength is also a lot of skill is involved. In other words, getting good at a particular rep range or a particular exercise, um, it, it makes sense to stay in a rep range for at least a few weeks. So you don't want to do, you don't want to get stuck in this trap, which. Not saying that this that, that you're not going to get any results or progress if you do it this way. It's just not as effective if you do it this way, where you're doing different rep ranges every week. Every or week. Same, or, or same workout. Or, or same workout. Like, oh, I'm going to I'm do five reps for bench press, but then I'm doing 12 reps for this, and I'm doing 25 reps for this. It's better to stay within a particular rep range, get good at that rep range. Yeah. After a few we- weeks, phase out of it, switch to a different rep range. That right there is one of the best methods I've found. A single method. There's a lot of different things you can change, but that's one of the best single methods. Yeah, I've then found you can you properly
2: be- assess, you know, whether or not you are actually, uh, like, you're doing things that have like benefit to them. Like you are seeing strength, and and you can pinpoint it back to that.
1: That's right. Um, and then of course, uh, progressive overload, which is the, I mean, gosh, that's the crux of resistance training, isn't it? Like being yeah. able to do more over time than you did before that's what gets the body to change well and this and i
3: love this for somebody who's who's not just in the pursuit of getting stronger but also changing physically because in, in my experience and this was what uh where i think i had a lot of success uh, when i got into competing in bodybuilding and where i had to where i was being judged show after show at my improving my physique it really was the first time ever in my life that I started to track volume. I never, mm. I understood the importance of volume, uh, kind of paid attention to it here and there, but never like diligently tracked and tried to progressively over, overload and continue to add weight, right? Over week, over week. And when I started to do that, I realized, whoa, and I also noticed tendencies mm. and it explained a lot to me on probably why I got stuck in plateaus in earlier years of lifting where you know, some and, and anybody who's listening right now could probably relate to this. You know, sometimes you're just in, you're in the zone. You got
1: yeah, you're gonna do extra five sets. Or yeah,
3: what? three weeks in a row, you're crushing the workouts and you're doing all this great stuff. And man, you, you notice change in your body and you're feeling things. And then you know, maybe you have a week or two where you still were training and you still were training hard, but then you don't really see much change. Mm-hmm. And when you actually go back and you you track through all those periods and you do it enough times, you start to see these patterns. And with the patterns that I would notice myself is, you know, one week I would just have higher volume. I'd be load, overloading the body more. I'd be adding more more reps. I felt I got an extra rep out. I did an extra exercise. And then th- this next week I got busy or I cut a little shore. I wasn't feeling up to it. And mm-hmm. then when you started measuring, I was like, oh, wow, well, that's why. I did 10,000 pounds of volume this week. And then the next week I did 11,000 pounds. But then week three, I went back to 10,500 pounds. The mystery. Mm-hmm. It takes
1: a lot of the mystery out why your body's progressing or not progressing. Um, when you're able to track stuff like that. And the other thing, too, with, by tracking volume that's really good is that you can incrementally increase your, your volume. So instead of going in one week and then going in the next week and being gung ho and doubling your volume, right? I
3: can be like, oh, cool. I only need to go up 500 pounds a, a week, or five, or however, however you calculate your volume. And that's what I see all the time. Mm-hmm. Is I, and this is also why I don't like the you know the, all the motivation crap and all the beast mode because <laughs> yeah. what it does is, and tell me you guys weren't like this, you know? Were you not the kid who just watched that Ronnie Coleman workout video today uh, and you get and it, hyped like oh, crazy? And that workout, all of a sudden. You you go from the guy who was doing a total of four thousand pounds of volume on his legs in a workout to all of a sudden eight thousand that week, yeah. you know, and then you just can't maintain that week over week because you didn't slowly build up to too that. Too steep
1: of a slope, and, 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 f- and you should. How do you explain uh, calculating volume again? It's time. It's time. Re,
3: It's reps times set times weight. There you go. So those mm-hmm. you multiply the three of those, and then that gives you the for total the total volume. Yeah, that's why we're no. Using you get workout yeah, yeah, per the day. So if I do five sets of squats, just say two hundred pounds, right? Yeah, so yeah. say. Five sets of squats for five reps, you go mm. five times five That's times t- yep. 200, times two hundred pounds, whatever right. weight you're moving, and that gives you your total volume. And so, and I would and here's it for people that are interested in tracking this. Um, it's just like diet. You can get really crazy and start separating. Yeah, you don't need to go that far. You don't. I like to take like the ma- the major lifts, right? Mm-hmm. I would take. I would be tracking my bench. I'd be tracking my over my overhead press. I'd be tracking my deadlift, my squat, and that's where I would try and m- would be the majority of what I'm trying to yeah. overload week over yeah, week, yeah. and you'll see a big change. Now, from that. speaking
1: of of exercises, I think it's important to talk about you know exercises themselves and, and the importance of getting stronger and the right exercises because. Mm-hmm. If I, if I get a lot stronger in my dumbbell curl, it's not going to have nearly the same impact on my body as if I get stronger in my deadlift. Some exercises just make a bigger impact on your overall body and your goals. And those are the exercises that are probably more important that you focus on in terms of strength. Yeah.
2: Well,
3: this reminds me of something that happened to me when we first started Mind Pump. So I've shared the story of... You know, I never really lifted, squatted and deadlifted really heavy for most of my training career uh, until I got until I got into mind pump, hanging out with Sal and Justin, and it started with me trying to chase your deadlift mm-hmm. and try to catch up to you. And when that became a priority, uh, a lot of the other exercises that i was doing on machines uh, or other movements i was doing became uh non-existent in my routine i was all, i was doing everything around the deadlift and movements to contribute to the deadlift only in other words i i went from being the guy who did lying leg curls you know at least one to three times a week every week for years and years and years in my training career and got to a point where i don't even remember what it was on the machine but let's just say for uh argument's sake, it was 100 pounds that I could do leg curls for 15 reps. And it took me years to pro- progress to that weight. Then I start deadlifting all the time to get good at it, to chase it. Completely le- left that machine alone, didn't touch it for over a year and a half, almost two years. And I'll never forget the day I got on the lying leg curl machine after not doing it for two years. And remembering, putting the pin in and going like, I'm going to be really weak because I haven't done this yeah, forever. Yeah and i remember each set i was like what the hell yeah. and i was it was i was like five times stronger <laughs> yeah. on this machine that yeah. i've been doing my whole life three times a, a week to get stronger at but because i had neglected deadlift so much which contributed way more to my hamstring strength mm-hmm. than anything even a, the, an isolated movement like that which you really feel just in your mm-hmm. hamstrings the deadlift is such a great movement, and it's not just for your hamstrings. Mm-hmm. There's so many other major muscles. So it, a light bulb went off for me for the first time ever on, whoa, what a, when you do movements like the squat, like the deadlift, like the overhead press, yeah, it works these specific muscles like the hamstrings, but it works so many others, and it contributes so much to the central nervous system so well that it, there's so much carryover and strength. It
1: makes a huge... I, I noticed this years ago with barbell rows. There was a period there where I was trying to just get stronger with barbell rows. Me and my buddy were competing. And I got my barbell row... I don't remember what I got it up to. It was like three 300-something pounds, and I would do it for six reps. And I remember I hadn't done like isolated dumbbell curls in a while. I had done just lots of barbell ro- or, or, rows to get stronger. I went and did barbell curls or dumbbell curls and I could not believe how strong my biceps were. Right. And I had always done curls, yeah. you know, and I just couldn't believe I was like 15 pounds stronger in my curls because my barbell, my barbell row had gotten so much better. So it's, it's important that you look at these compound
3: movements. It also reminds me of a lot of the female clients that I would get that wanted to build their butt. And I would see them doing all these kickbacks Donkey and, kickback, and yeah, yeah, all these like isolation, Hip abductor. high reps, jump squats, they're doing all these things. And I would tell them, I'm like, well, how often are you squatting? Like what variations of the squat are you doing during the week? And how much are you actually overloading the squat and trying to build your squat strength up? To actually develop the glutes and then well you know i squat once or twice a week and it's like okay let's eliminate all this other all these little bullshit movements and i'm going to start getting you to focus on like the squat and like a like a sumo stance deadlift mm-hmm. and watch what happens when I mean, we eliminate all those little butt burner exercises that everybody loves to share on instagram yeah. and started getting them to do these compound lifts more frequently and starting to overload them and increase the weight on them, and boom, blood yeah. oh, blows man. up out well, of nowhere. These
2: compound exercises, it just it requires uh, you to to allocate more resources, you know, and like it, it demands more of your central nervous system. and And so, for for just getting the the most bang out of your buck and getting your your muscles to then uh, you know adjust to this this demand, um, it, it really does
1: force growth. It b- it builds the most muscle and it gives you uh, the best results and. Here's the other part, frequency and it contributes better to strength than uh, less frequent, more intense workouts, right. which is why I'm always in support. Now, you may show some studies that say volume you know, is really ultimately what matters for muscle growth and all that, okay, whatever, but studies show pretty clearly that practicing movements frequently is going to make you stronger at them. So I'll give you guys a great example. Um, uh, I oftentimes get messages from uh, women who are asking me how they can get better at pull-ups, like, oh, I want to be able to do better pull-ups. Or I want to be able to do more than two pull-ups. And so what I'll tell them is I'll say, look, put up a pull-up bar in your bedroom, in your doorway. And every time you walk by it, you know, do like one pull-up. Like not – don't work out. Don't go crazy. But just practice pull-ups every time you walk by it. Mm-hmm. And they're always blown away at how fast they get stronger. Like I'm talking double their strength right. in a very short period of time. So my, where I'm going with this is when you go to the gym – Take these compound movements, these effective movements, and just practice them a lot. You don't have to work out crazy and beat yourself up, but go and squat often. Deadlift off and you don't have, have to go point.
2: to pure fatigue either. No, like no, no. leave it's actually more advantageous to
3: leave a few in the tank. Yes. And to just keep refining that that process, that well, movement. Back to the booty point that I'm making and getting the my girls to squat more. I would have them do lightweight sometimes. It doesn't always have to be crushing it on your squats. Sometimes it's you getting you to actually and here's from the, the bodybuilder mindset. Right. You know, let's do these squats. But now when you're at the bottom of the squat, I want you to really think about driving through your heels, squeezing your butt. As you bring your hips forward and stand up in the squat and teaching that with a really light weight, yep. so they get that connection down, and then when we overload it on the the next time we're squatting in that week, holy crap, now their glutes are getting really sore, and they're being they're able to load it way more, which is going to contribute to the overall growth in that muscle one
1: hundred percent now here's the other thing mobility mobility oftentimes contributes to more strength because mobility oftentimes is the limiting factor. To strength. So, using myself as an example, when we first start, started doing mind pump, um, you know, I, I I did overhead presses as part of my workout, but I never really focused fully on that full lockout position. I kind of did the bodybuilder type overhead press reps, where I would stop like a quarter inch short of full lockout and come back down to keep you know quote unquote tension uh, in my shoulders. Well, then I meet Justin, and Justin tells me all about overhead carries. And he talks about uh, mobility exercises for the shoulders like uh, stick dislocates. So I started incorporating those into my routine, getting stronger at the end range of motion and increasing my mobility. The result of that was a stronger overhead press. I had added 15 pounds to an overhead press that had been stuck at a particular weight for a long time because I improved my mobility.
2: That's a great topic in itself. Is just end range strength. Yes, and and you know stability. And I think that mobility a lot of times gets confused with flexibility. And I know you, I think he just did like a recent uh, Friday Fit Tip about this, but. Um, it's such a great point to make because if you think about being able to access range of motion, that's great if you can passively access this range of motion. But now how do you get out of this? How, do, how can you intrinsically find that strength uh, to be able to move or pick up objects in that range of motion? You don't own it yet.
3: You don't mm-hmm. own it yet until you have the strength within that. That's well, right. it's not just that. I mean, I think it's even simpler than that. I mean, and I just would use the analogous someone's system, your origin and insertion of a muscle, so there's the muscle. And do you think we are we are going to be stronger if we use all of that? Or half of that. (laughs) And so what requires you to be able to use all that is good mobility, is the ability to actually take that muscle through its fullest range of motion. And if you can't take it through its fullest range of motion, you're not going to get the max out of that muscle. So, And I see this all the time and squatting to your point that you made uh, about the progression that I made in, in my squat. Not only did I get better at the the skill of squatting, but also a lot of my strength and the size of my legs that I'm able to keep now with way less volume is because I'm using more of my That's legs. That's right. You know, I could barely break 90 degrees just two years ago when I was squatting, We're now, and everybody who follows me on Instagram knows that I can go ass to grass in my squat, yeah. and I'm able to carry as much of it And the it's weight. amazing how
2: much more your muscles develop as a result, too, of get, gaining this new
3: strength. Oh, it's, I, I have to train my legs way less than what I had to before to maintain the size and strength because I'm now using more of it, so I'm All getting more, it, yeah, more yeah, that's carry That's
1: crazy. Now, what about diet? Diet for strength if you want to get stronger. Um, you know, aside from eating adequate calories, I'll say this. If you want to maximize your strength with your diet, you probably don't want to go too low-carb. Hmm. Uh I know that low carb diets are popular for people for fat loss because maybe they're appetite suppressing uh, yeah, not as conducive to, able- to performance. No, I mean I've done keto and you know, I I eat keto here and there and I went keto for a very very long time for gut health issues and um when I reintroduce carbohydrates I'm just stronger and the evidence is very clear yeah. uh for for that type of physical activity um carbohydrates are going to produce more strength output. If you're a super long endurance type person Uh, where you're using low to moderate levels of energy for long, long periods of time. Ketogenic diets are probably fine because you can run off of fat. But when you're talking about like explosive exertions of strength and power,
3: carbohydrates. You you also have to speak to protein because if uh, if you're not getting adequate protein and you're constantly stretching yourself strength-wise and trying to build more muscle, uh, you're going to have a hard time adding muscle. I mean, you can train and strengthen the central nervous system, which then gets you to fire the muscles more without actually technically growing or building more muscle. But at at one point, you're probably going to hit your ceiling without increasing your caloric intake and making sure that you have adequate protein for repairing that muscle and building, right? Totally, 100%. Now, as far as mistakes are concerned,
1: like why people are not getting stronger, we touched on rep range and, and, and whatnot before. I mean, if you stay in the same rep range all the time, even if it's a powerlifting rep range... And you just stay in it all the time, that's going to slow down your progress. You got to move out of it uh, every once in a while, and move out of your workout programming every once in a while. Like you know, I noticed this when I was a kid. When we were kids, it's still kind of like this, right? The the way that we, that guys measured their strength was on one exercise, the bench the press. The bench. That yeah, was all about how, how much you bench, bro. Yeah, all yeah. about how much you could bench, right? Yeah. Which is funny considering there's other exercises that are probably better <laughs> indicators, but nonetheless, that was a popular one. And so I did a lot of bench press because I wanted to get a a higher bench. And I'll never forget, you know, my bench press was stuck at a particular weight for a long, long time. And I'll never forget, for aesthetic reasons, I changed to incline bench press and I started doing more dumbbells. And it had nothing to do with me wanting a higher bench. It was all about, I want better aesthetics. The funny thing is I went back to bench press after a few months of going away from it and doing these other movements. And guess what? Yeah. I had a stronger bench press. Yeah. So doing the same things all the time and not doing anything else to mix it up probably one of the biggest mistakes.
3: I don't even like saying all the time because I think people hear that and they're like, "Well, I don't really do that. I kind of switch it up." It's there's a sweet spot. Uh, there's a reason why all of the maps programs are broken up in this three to four week phase, um, and there's there's reason behind why we do that, not just to keep you from getting bored. Uh, the the most optimal time that you would like to stay uh, with a program, meaning the same types of exercises, the same rep range, you want to fall somewhere in that three to six weeks tops. Yeah, yeah. Once you get beyond that, unless you're training for a skill or a sport or like a like a specific lift, it's different, right? If we're yeah, like to, if
1: you're a powerlifter and you're deadlifting as a right, competition.
3: Right, right, totally different. But if you're looking for just, you're trying to build overall strength, trying to change your body, change your body composition, 100%, if you haven't been changing your exercises or your rep range, on a 4 to 6 week basis you should be and that's one of the easiest ways for you to start to notice a difference in your strength and right. your and your body composition for right, sure.
1: Right. What about strength tools like people who use yeah wrist wraps wrist straps. Belts
3: and like bench
2: shirts and yeah, things like that knee wraps and all yeah. that stuff. Fake strength. Yeah, <laughs> it is totally I tell well, you it's dangerous, right? Like, I mean especially like I've worked out with somebody who used wrist wraps a lot and uh they didn't have access to them. And we started to to deadlift, or we even started using heavy dem- dumbbells, and we're doing like a dumbbell press, and um, just didn't have the wrist strength that uh, oh, yeah. it was it was applying, and so like had to go down substantially uh, from the the dumbbells that you know previously would be able to do with with wrist wraps oh, attached.
1: I remember the first time I used uh, knee wraps, I, I was blown away <laughs> over how much more I could squat. Yeah, um, uh, but uh, was it? that I was stronger or was it that I had knee wraps that made me stronger? So it's not really uh, showing you that you're stronger. It's just making you stronger through the use of some of these aids. Not necessarily a bad thing, but also don't fool yourself. I think that's the the big message here. Don't fool yourself just because you're, you know, if someone says, yeah, I got stronger, I added 20 pounds on my squat. But they're not considering that they squatted without knee wraps, yeah. and now they're squatting with knee wraps.
2: Well, I mean, it could potentially be a bit of a, a dangerous situation, though, too. Uh, you know, like, think of it as replacing mobility. So this is right. taking the place of it to where in you go to grab something, you go to do something you normally would have the strength to apply, but now you're leaving your joints a little more vulnerable as a result.
1: Oh, well, I mean, if you're somebody that values – your strength and your fitness in the real world as well, yeah, well, here's what happens if you always train uh, with all of these tools a belt knee wraps, wrist wraps, whatever, always 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 when you're gonna need to call upon your strength in the real world and you don't have these tools, uh, your risk of injury goes up, so the belt is a good example. the belt changes the recruitment pattern of the core it changes from mm-hmm. without the belt, your core braces and pulls in a little bit with the belt, your core pushes out against the belt to create this internal stability. Well, that pushing out movement without a belt is catastrophic for core stability. If you don't have a belt on and you're pushing out, yeah, you're going to lose it's stability. not going to help yourself. So now you're in the real world. You try to lift something heavy. Don't got your belt, but you've trained that pattern so much. I, re-
3: you know, I remember when I learned this lesson as a trainer, I had a client who, and this was before I really understood how, why this was so important. Uh, this is part of the lesson, right? Was getting a client who got injured. And I remember he used to train with his belt all the time. I love to lift heavy, lift, heavy, lift, heavy, lift heavy. And he threw his back out throwing an 80 pound dog food bag over his back. But he could, he could squat and deadlift well over three, 400 pounds. Perfect example. And, and that's exact. And what happens is it, it, you know, oh, I deadlift three 400 pounds. Like, what's an 80-pound dog food bag? Not a big deal. I could easily throw that apart. But because you're so used to hinging with this support of a belt and pushing your core out to support your spine to do this movement, and now you don't have it, so you allow some 80-pound lightweight for you to throw your back out. Now, that's a just one example, but that's where you hear this a lot of times. It happens where, all the time, man. Right. And so... For me that was when that light bulb really went off like wow okay I don't want to allow my client even if we do use a belt it can't be something that we do all the time and in fact I would really like to train him for most of the way with no belt and maybe when we're stretching him on the or her on the you know heaviest weight they've ever done maybe I'll strap them up with a belt so they can use it for there to maybe protect them during that one lift, but for a majority of their lifting, I want to make sure that they still got real-world strength. They're not dependent on these tools to be able to do it because what ends up happening is you fool yourself into thinking you're stronger than what you really are without that belt. And when
1: you say fool yourself, you're not just fooling your conscious self. You're fooling your unconscious self. You're fooling your central nervous system because your CNS is used to you generating so much power Mm -hmm. and and generating power with a particular kind of uh, recruitment pattern, but you don't have the tool there to 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 bolster it, boom, injury. So now you got like you said, the guy throwing the eighty pound bag of dog food. His body doesn't have those governor, you know, doesn't have the governors proper. Mm. Its governors are based on a belt. Belt wasn't there and he hurt himself. I mean at the end of the day, getting stronger is almost always a good thing, regardless of your goal. If you're trying to get leaner, if you're of course trying to build muscle If you're trying to speed up your metabolism or if you're just trying to become a better athlete, of course, context matters. You need to improve your skills as well. Strength is usually a good thing, which is why I think it should be the number one, one of the number one, if not number one thing that you measure in terms of your objective metrics in terms of, is your workout successful? Look at strength. And with that, go to mindpumpfree.com and download our guides. They're all absolutely free.